Hey everyone, welcome to The Front Porch. I'm Brian. Earlier this month, we had our international conference, and instead of recording an interview with one rental industry expert, I happened to have four on stage with me. So we managed to record that whole session from the international conference. And today we're going to talk to John Hyatt of Site Pro Rentals. We're going to talk to Francis Ellison of Curated Events, Michelle Bullock from Taints Rents, and Matt Musgrove of Tejas Equipment Rental. So yeah, these, these four joined us on stage and talked in front of 250 audience members. We, we had a few questions early and we took questions at the event. So here's, here's what they had to say about things going on in the industry. I think we had a pretty good conversation and I hope you enjoy it. If you have suggestions for things you'd like to hear on the front porch, uh, email me at marketing at pointofrental.com. Uh, thanks for listening today and enjoy. Welcome to The Front Porch with Brian Beaudry. Hey everyone, I'm Brian. Um, I'm going to introduce and, and talk to our industry panel here today. Uh, I don't really know much about the rental industry, so we'll, we'll have uh, these guys answer a bunch of questions. Uh, we will have questions available in Slido, but I'm going to start off with a few uh, prepackaged questions. So first of all, let's start off with a nice super general question. What are some of the trends you're noticing in the industry from your perspectives? Uh, what have been some of the challenges you faced in the last year or so, and what's been better than expected? John, we'll start with you. Wow. Was that three questions? Or? It's three questions. Yeah. Like <laughs> all to, right. I'll take a shot. I like to load you up in case you don't want to answer all of them. You can just answer one or you can answer two. Well, I'll start off with the trends and we're, we're at a, an IT convention. So I think one of the first things I'm seeing is uh, we're really trying to figure out how to how to use technology uh, to bring us data, to bring us analytics, to bring us awareness and help drive efficiency with the customers and, and really set ourselves apart. I think everybody on this panel is probably trying to figure out ways to do that. So that's one of the, the bigger trends. Uh, Wasn't that from the harder things of this year? Yeah. What, what are some of the challenges you Supply faced in the last side. year or so? Uh, raise your hand if you ordered something in, for delivery in 2023 or two and it hasn't showed up yet. Yes. See, there you go. <laughs> yeah, I think that, that dealing with our suppliers who are, who are working hard and trying to get us what, what we need, whether it's a John Deere 310 or a chafing dish or a tent, uh, there's challenges all across the country, all across the globe. Uh, I think it's been you know, made worse by the fact that a lot of companies are, are sourcing parts from various parts of the world, which has its uh, economies of scale and, and some pricing benefits. But, you know, uh, not being able to get a hydraulic tank for a Genie 5519 because it's made in Italy uh, can be really difficult in normal times in this last year or so. It was especially bad for all of us. So I think that was probably the number one challenge was balancing the reality of the supply side difficulties. All right. And the last one was uh, what's what's been a little better than expected? We want some positives here. You know, I think for the first time in a while, uh, all of us in the rental business realized maybe our prices can go up too uh, when everybody else's do. I think all of us have realized this is this business is getting transactionally a little bit more expensive. And, you know, we don't collude, we don't talk about it, but I think we as an industry are standing up and saying, hey, we, we're part of this too. We can't be left behind. You read reports that say in Dallas, construction costs are up. 20 to 25%. I don't know anybody in this room whose rates are up 20 to 25%, but they're paying more for everything else. I think more than any other year in my career, I saw our industry try to get paid for the value we bring to a job site. All right. That was better than expected. Those, those seem good answers, like good answers. I like them. All right. Uh, Francis, do you have anything from the uh, event side? 
I'm trying to remember all your questions. <laughs> oh, well, you know, we can go back to what are some of the trends you've noticed in the industry from your perspective? So, I'm gonna- If you don't I'm, like that I'm one, you can just choose one that you like. I'm just gonna go. Yeah, just say whatever you want. I'm gonna shoot from the hip. So one of the things that we're trying to do is implement the efficiencies that Point of Rental has to offer, like mobile workforce and stuff like that, that we haven't put into play as of yet, but we're working on that. Um, when it comes to challenges, staffing, supply chain, just like everybody else, we, we are a seven location company, so we're able to buy in bulk and that helps a little bit. More buying power. And then the last one was... The positives. Any, anything that's better What's than better than expected? I will absolutely go with what he said. We implemented price increases. There is no better time than right now because everyone understands what's going on in the world and we have definitely implemented price increases. The other thing is that we are an event company and people are tired of sitting at home. They're ready to spend money, they wanna to get together, and that has been really positive. All right, did anyone else have any uh, insights that haven't been shared already? Or? Okay. All right, let's talk about uh, environmental impact. I've seen a lot of a push towards electrification, at least especially in Europe. Um, is that affecting what you guys are buying? Are you seeing any change in what customers are looking for or no? Absolutely, uh, we're buying saying, I think we placed our first order for, the first, for our first electric mini excavator. So uh, it's affecting us in, in what people are asking for. And we've got Bobcats making them now. Uh, I think there's an electric D7. <laughs> the Caterpillar's got it on the market, pickup trucks, just about everything. The interesting thing operationally, when we're putting a new store in place, we have to think about charging capacity. We have to think about battery storage. We have to think about things that perhaps four or five years ago uh, were reserved for the material handling folks. And now we're realizing we're gonna have a lot more electric vehicles and tools and pieces of equipment than we did before. You know, Hilti's going to some, some uh, electric models for chop saws and things. I think it's gonna change uh, the way we buy. I think it's gonna change how we train our technicians and it's changing the way we're, we're setting up our branches from a logistics perspective as well. All right. Michelle, you have anything to add there? Um, we haven't really done any like the excavators like um, he was talking about, but we've fleeted up most of our stores with just all the lawn and garden items that are battery powered. Anywhere from, you know, chainsaws to um, tree saws, all of that kind of stuff. And so more of our customers are asking for that. Well, we're at the point now, I guess we're just starting to get calls and inquiries for that type of battery type uh, powered equipment and uh, more electric powered um, we're starting to look at it. We haven't done anything yet. We're kind of letting it evolve um, for, to get, I guess, a little bit more down the road so that uh, I guess they iron out all the bugs before we jump in. So um, we just haven't seen that much demand or weren't, I guess, getting anything right now. So we're still kind of waiting on the sidelines for that to develop. We can't get, you know, the normal stuff right now, much less any pet project uh, battery operated equipment right now. I mean, we really are just trying to keep up with the basics. Okay, we'll, we'll start with you on the next one. Um, employee retention and recruiting. What, has anything been effective in getting staff to stay or recruit, in recruiting new employees? You know, I guess over the last, as the years uh, gone on, uh, at least we've seen the kind of the employee situation kind of stabilized and not, uh, a lot of uh, employees looking to leave or are leaving for more money or any of that. We did, uh, I guess, a pretty good job at, at um, raising our rates, keeping up with inflation, passing that on to the employees early on and uh, 
keeping the wages high, being competitive. And uh, when those situations do arise where they come in, hey, I'm, I got offered a job and we'll look at the situation and, and say, well, we'll match it or we'll beat it if it's an employee worth keeping. If not, we'll kind of, all right, well, see ya. <laughs> Good luck. And um, it, it's really stabilized here over the last few months. We've had our turnover has been almost next to nothing. So, um, you know, everything's kind of stable right now for us. Um, one thing with Tate's is we went um, employee owned um, two years ago. So that's helped keep our employees around for longer periods of time. Um, don't have a whole lot of turnover at the moment. Um, another thing that we have worked on is making more of a 44 hour a week instead of, you know, the 50 or 60 that we're all used to. So now employees are getting three days off, maybe not necessarily all in a row, but they're working less so that they have time to go spend time with their families. We've been working on the culture, um, making sure that employees feel like they belong, acknowledging um, their contributions, higher pay, giving flexible work schedules, variety of things that we've thrown in there. Points. Um, we've uh, we're also uh, employee stock owned, uh, so now I know of two. That's kind of cool that you guys made that transition. Uh, in that regard, there's when I was young in this business, there was a company called U.S. Rentals, and they did this thing where they paid profit sharing down to the down to the yard guy. What's well, yard coordinator? What, what are we supposed to say now? I don't know if we can say yard guy anymore, but <laughs> everybody gets profit sharing at Cypro, and and that that's part of it. But um, Francis talked about culture. And, and I think that if we think about our employees before they're in our office saying, I can go to X, Y, Z for $5 more, we tend to do a little bit better. Uh, we do wage surveys regularly now, and we're new, so we're trying to make sure we're, we're paying reasonable amounts and we're hiring a lot of people, but we're, we're specifically not targeting any other rental companies because if, if you're gonna leave for $2, you know, you're going to leave me for $2. So we, we want you to come for the right reasons to help us build uh, the best rental company in the world. That's what we're trying to do as are, is everyone in this room and, and just build a culture where they feel respected and they belong. We've added training uh, that, that needed to happen in our company. And then we added a, uh, uh, a tool allowance for our technicians that has gone over real, real well. So we hope those, those factors will help us. Well, is there anywhere special that you're targeting it since obviously you're not targeting other rental places? Where are you looking for employees? Uh, we're using LinkedIn, using Indeed. Uh, we're going to trade shows. So if you, the uh, like UTI, the technological yeah. institutes, we try to get involved with them and, and meet some folks. Uh, we toyed with an internship program where you, you get a paid internship and then maybe a tuition reimbursement if you, Caterpillar does a program that's very, very successful. We're toying with that, but we're starting with just getting involved with the folks that are training people, whether it's driving schools or um, diesel technology companies, folks like that. Okay. Is there anywhere anyone else has found um, particularly fruitful when searching for employees? Referrals. Okay. And Francis said something most important is referrals. You all want to be a talent magnet, right? You don't want to have to hire a recruiter. You want to get to the point where people want to come work for you. And, and we're not there yet, but, but that's our ultimate goal. Great point. All right, we're going to start with Francis for the next one. So I'll, I'll let Francis uh, go. So for a lot of people, COVID and the ensuing restrictions made things pretty rough for rental businesses, particularly event rental. Um, according to everything I've seen, though, companies that made it through have been roaring back. So what are some of the challenges you all are seeing with business being back? 
staffing, for sure staffing. Um, we've been really lucky. We have come back and better than 2019, I'm trying to think of the year, better than 2019 at this point. Um, just staffing and I think that the biggest um, advice I can give is to be honest with your customers. Everyone knows the state of affairs in the country and if, as long as you're communicating, a lot is forgiven. So just servicing them and product isn't that big of a problem for us, but the staffing issues are. And anything in the event or equipment rental companies, um, I know there's been a lot of a boom in equipment rental as well. Um, what are some of the challenges that you guys have faced as, as the industry grows? Well, the biggest challenge has, I guess, been keeping up with the inflation and uh, the uh, lack of availability of equipment and the need to plan and forecast out to a year, year and a half out has uh, make it, made it very challenging. You had to extend the uh, existing life cycles of our, our equipment more than we would uh, normally do because we just can't get a replacement so um, that makes it more challenging you can't get parts for them you can't sell them you can't get a new one so you're kind of stuck there in these situations you, sometimes it gets pretty bad and you get some pretty horrific uh, uh, repair bills on some equipment because you could not get it you had to run it past further than you felt comfortable but you are where you are so, um, you know, those have been unique challenges uh, for that. And, and um, um, it doesn't seem like it's, you know, looking at what we're wanting to buy this coming year and looking at the lead times already, it doesn't look like it's getting any better. So it uh, looks like we're gonna be in this for a while, which it has its, uh, you know, bad points. Of course, you, you don't, you can't get it, your competitors can't get it. So there's a tightness in the market, which is allowing all of us to be able to aggressively get our rates up and keep our utilizations high. So we all should be making really good money right now. If you're not, then you, there's some problems, but um, you know, it's, it's a, a good and bad situation because of the tightness of the market that we're able to get these returns with this inflation. It gives us a perfect chance to get our rates up and we have the perfect uh, you know, storm of events backing that up. You know, United can't come in and just bury the whole, town and equipment because they can't get it either. Well, I'm glad that you mentioned the uh, the opportunity for profits now. So I was, I was wondering as profits grow, what are you investing into? Like new locations, new inventory, competing for labor, efficiency, tools? Yes. Everything? All that. All, All of it. it. All of it. I mean, yeah. I mean, we're, we're investing heavily in equipment. We bought more equipment this year than we have ever. Uh, technology, of course, we're here and, and uh, looking at, you know, uh, we've added e-signature. We've added um, other modules that uh, we've got into uh, with POR, we're, we're expanding uh, and really looking at uh, um, any kind of things that drive efficiencies we're wanting to do. Um, I'm excited with that, uh, the IRO and being able to time management of the mechanics and applying that to the work orders. Uh, I'd really like to drive efficiencies in our shop with the uh, IRO time management and being able to see, because now that the, the technicians are becoming more and more expensive, you really have to drive efficiencies out of your shop. So you gotta know what they're doing. So you gotta know what he's working on, how many items he's turning out of his bay and his time management, he's clocking in and out. And so that way I can see what this guy's doing. If you gotta pay this guy 25 or $30 an hour, you need to know what he's doing. And you can't just, you know, well, here's a stack of IROs and go do whatever, just knock something out today. And you don't know what he got completed because the stack just comes back in the office. So you don't really know what he did. Uh, so it, it's, you know, trying to get things more pushed to them. They're opening or they're closing their own IROs. They're 
keeping track of their time. I can run reports and see what he got done, you know, how many IROs he got completed with the shop notes and everything. And we can kind of see, you know, they're owning it more now. Before we would close them and we would do it inside for them. Now we're pushing it to them. So the technicians are doing their own paperwork. They're all tech savvy. They're in there playing on their phones. They're all able to do it. So they're mainly doing their own data entry. They're doing their own time management. So, you know, it, it's really helped a lot and they're what they're getting turned out and what they're doing. So we're really excited about that. Awesome. Anyone else have anything to no, add to, to Matt's comments? I, I'd, I'd agree with him too. Um, I think one of the things we've um, started doing more is, is um, pushing our website to our customers to do online quotes, um, which we haven't done that. Um, we're doing the same thing and doing, um, trying to find an efficiency rate for our technicians and then you know, also we have a central repair facility, so we have our higher techs there, and now we're trying to find um, more kind of a tech at most of our locations since we have 10, so that we can have less repairs done at our repair, central repairs facility, and that way things get out sooner than later. Okay. Johnny, you some? Oh, Francis, you, you seem like you just wanted to pass it along. No, I'm, I'm good. Well. All right. I am too. All right. All right, good. Well, we've mentioned a lot about how it's uh, super tough to get inventory. So what are some of the creative ways you've been handling satisfying customer demand while you guys are waiting on stuff? Communication. Uh, I don't know if that counts as super creative, but. Well, you know, it is. <laughs> Have you, some of you dealt it's a, with customers? I, I, I want to hear, I wanna hear how you're doing it. <laughs> i got to think about that one. We have very creative salespeople in the in the event world, and so they're they're very good at showing all of the options. Um, but communication is really important, Brian. I, I believe you. <laughs> we don't really discount and things like that um, when it comes to we just upsell and and show them what is available. Okay. Yeah, we're uh, we're trying to do the hardest thing in rental, and that's what not to do. I think you're trying to do all the things you're because not. we only have we're we're at a, a resource intense business here, right? You only have so much, and the, and the shiny object can really be alluring, right? The big job, the steel erectors, where where the where the cheap stuff is, and one of the hardest things for us as we're coming out of the ground is is deciding what to do with those finite resources. We have to make money. We're new. We're not. Uh, we're not like Matt's company. They've been around a while, and Tate's. I mean, you guys have been churning returns for a while, and we've got to build it. So that that urgency to get your equipment on rent and to have it out there can sometimes lead you to decisions that are not in your long-term best interest and i think for us we got to temper the excitement of the deal with the sensibility of what we're doing with the assets we have so um that's what we're trying to do okay michelle i think you told me before this you had some answers here so i hope you have something um, maybe i wrote it down on the wrong one sorry <laughs> that's okay. um we get creative. We've um, we normally don't re-rent from a lot of the big com bigger companies, but we've had to branch out and do that. But I think where we shine the most on that is our customer service. We're answering the phone, not putting people on hold for long periods of time, or um, getting back to messages quicker. Um, just the whole customer service aspect of it. Okay. Um. I don't know if it's creative or not, but it's it's utilizing a tool that's in POR that we started, uh, I guess, earlier this year was the 
that are, it's an elite, I guess, uh, program, but it's called Touch Points. And so we, which is basically kind of a CRM program inside of POR. And we assign that to the customers, to our salespeople. And there's there, it's like a you know, time the, they have to call the customer and they have to put in their notes and, and it kind of attaches it to the customer's file on their call notes. So you're able to see that they're calling on them and there's a dashboard that you can see that they're keeping up with it. And, and, uh, and we're trying to, you know, increase our customer engagement and, and not losing customers over time that, you know, say a competitor kind of slid it out from underneath you and you just, you know, they stopped calling us, you know, so we're reaching out to them and trying to keep, uh, in front of them, just just for the inside salespeople, even the outside salespeople use that as their CRM program because it's there, it's all attached, it's all one environment. And so um, it's just increased our customer engagement and, and keeping up with them. There's a timeline so that we know that we're not just letting them kind of just fall off to the wayside after they finish a project or, or something. And so we're able to keep in front of them. That's worked out really well. Another thing is, is uh, is the uh, commission pro, uh, module. We've kind of expanded that to inside sales and um, incentivized the inside people as well. And uh, that's worked out fantastic. I mean, they're, uh, you know, every time the phone call comes in, I mean, there's a raise calling and that's our, our slogan to them. It's like, hey, you want to raise? Well, there's, you know, close that deal. And uh, they get commission off each transaction. And uh, you know, talking, you know, giving a shout out to Rouse, but they, they uh, were, were able to set the parameters of the, the rates and where they can get this commission if they fall below a certain level, then, hey, you're not gonna get commission. It's, this ticket's gonna go to the house. So you gotta keep it up here in this range here. It's not just a, you know, any, any rate will work. So um, those two aspects right there have really been game changers for us. Okay, well, you mentioned that you don't know if it's creative, but since it's promoting point of rental uh, features, it's okay by me. Um, I, I, I don't even know I'm what this means exactly. my time. <laughs> Um, are you pre-negotiating rates? How are negotiations with suppliers working? Is that something that's affecting your prices for customers? Well, you know, you can pre-negotiate rates and, and give, give them your PO for, you know, if you're ordering equipment. Not that it means anything because they're still going to come back and say, well, we're going to have a 3% increase. You know, if you don't get it by, like I have any control when I get the equipment or when they're delivering it. But if you don't get it by November, you know, you're going to incur a 3% increase even on the existing order. So it's like, well, you know, it is what it is. With the rate structure and pass it on to the customer, I mean, you just pass it on. And, and you know, again, you know, with Rouse, we're able to keep up with the market, keep keep our rates up, and and know where the market is at any time. So, I mean, it, it's worked out well for us. And, and um, we're in such a high utilization uh, area right now, especially on a lot of, of, of the different categories we can see where our utilization is high. I mean, there's no reason to discount rates right now. I mean, we're, we're getting really good rates. Cool. You can restrict the ability to give the discounts at point of rental too. That helps. Sure. Um, we we have a lot of KPIs for our salespeople and set up automatic reports where we can track all that. We're just you know the objective is to be as efficient as possible. So if you have that information coming to your managers automatically at the end of the day and the salespeople know what the KPIs are, it works out pretty well for us. Have any of you guys changed any buying strategies over the past year or so? Buy 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 buy. Just keep, buying. Just keep buying. Okay. <laughs> I mean, that's that's the strategy. <laughs> that's what I was just going to say. Uh, we normally would sit down and come up with like our fleet plan, like November, December, and then they all get bought January, show up by March. Um, 
we have now taken to the point where um, our 2023 budget has all been ordered, hopefully to get it all in 23 at this point, but you know, that's gonna be 2024. Um, but I think that's our biggest thing is just trying to think further ahead than the usual six months like we were all used to. And then buying more than you think you need. Looking at the, the utilization on the items and, and planning by that. All right, so since since you're talking about looking into the future, you guys are doing a beautiful job of segueing into the next question. Like, we planned this, but We're we didn't. We're leading you into the next question. Yes, it's wonderful. <laughs> so I think it's a requirement for every panel and try not to be concerned that we, might, we are recording this uh, to share publicly five years from now just to laugh at how wrong you are. Uh, where do you see the in rental industry in five years? Francis, you have the mic. I don't know. I'll let him, I'll build on what You're supposed to right, prognosticate. I'll take, I'll take a shot at it. No one knows. That's. I, I'm going to date myself. I was at a, uh, I was at a dinner in Santa Barbara, California in 1998. I sat across from a guy named Dan Kaplan. And uh, he said, and there was a consolidation wave. United Rentals had just started and all these people are buying everything. Sun State was one branch in, in Arizona and Sunbelt, I don't even know if it existed yet. Um, and he looked at me, he says, no matter what happens, there'll always be a place for the small to mid-sized rental company that hasn't forgotten how to deliver value. And I think in five years, that conversation would be as true as it is today. Who would have thought, like in 1997, Hertz made $425 million maybe? We have billion dollar companies, multi-billion dollar companies, and there's still a place for the, for the small to mid-sized company that understands how to provide value to the customers. Now that might change. It might be more technologically advanced. It might come in different forms, but I think in five years, we're gonna have the same conversation about how do we drive value for our customers, make them make money, make them come in on time on target. And those that do are gonna get the rates that Matt's talking about, and they're gonna get the loyalty that Tate's has, and uh, they're gonna be successful. So I think in five years, we're gonna be having that kind of conversation. All right, I'll hold you to that. We'll, we'll be back here in five years. Well, I think another aspect that, that that's probably gonna happen is that, uh, you know, as the price of equipment's going up and, and uh, going through the roof, not only for ourselves, but also for end users like contractors, um, you know, they're gonna go buy a, you know, in the past they'd call John Deere and they'd do the same thing. They'd go and they'd buy a skid loader or a backhoe. Well, you know, now when they go to the dealer and they, if they can even get any, which they can't right now, very, very hard for an end user to get it. You know, I, if that doesn't change over time, even when, it, if they could get it, the, the price is gonna be like a backhoe is gonna be, you know, 120, $130,000 for a backhoe. So a lot of them are just gonna be sticker shocked and where are they gonna go? They still need to do their job, still need to do their work. They're gonna stick to rental, which is what they've been doing over these last you know, year or so when they can't get buy their own equipment or, or hit the used market or something like that. But the price of used equipment's gone up through the roof as well. So I think that's gonna really drive uh, the equipment industry over the next you know, five, 10 years on onward because the price of equipment is just gonna be so outrageous for the end user to get take on for themselves and then the price of mechanics and so on that it's gonna be really price inhibited for them to own it. So it's gonna only make more sense for them to outsource it or just rent it. So I think that's just bodes well for us in the future that it's only gonna get better. I like that to end on some positivity unless uh, we can convince Michelle or Francis to answer and put 
put their thoughts on, on the recording. You know me well enough to know that I think that um, successful future in rental is going to be surrounded by um, providing consultation and expertise and customer service and things like that. That's what's going to put you above the rest. When you're the person who is their advocate and helps them with the decisions that they're having to make, they'll be your customer for life. All right. Well, good. I, I'm glad you bring some expertise here because I'm not helping out. <laughs> you're done. <laughs> uh, I, I've run to the end of my questions, and I, I thought this was going to show uh, the questions from everyone in the audience, but uh, it is not showing that. So uh, Thomas back there or, or someone, if, if we're able to get the questions up on the, the screen, then I can just read things directly from the uh, board. Okay, there we go. Let's, let's read Christopher's. So how have you handled the ever-increasing use of prepaid credit cards that don't have the capacity for a substantial pre-authorization? Are you guys running into I this I don't issue? have that experience. Anybody? Anybody have that? We don't, we don't deal with it. All right, well, that will have to be a separate panel that, that will have some answers for that one. Um, okay, I guess, I guess five years is too far to, to predict. So what, what, are you, what growth are you expecting in the next two to three years? Added locations, added inventory, salespeople, everything. We, we plan to grow in, in every way. I mean, we are lucky that we've recovered um, much better than had been anticipated since COVID, and we are definitely looking at all of those things for growth. Anybody? All right. Wait, this Wayne Harris guy. Hmm. Remote employees. That, that is a great question, Wayne Harris. That's a good one. Um, actually, yes, we do have remote employees. Um, I'm a re fully remote employee myself, and I have two people who work with me. They, they actually work on point of rental data, and they are both remote as well. Anybody else? Yeah, you know, we talked about recruiting and retention earlier. One of the things that has really been impactful for some folks uh, where they can do their job remote, as long as we agree on what the metrics are and the throughput, I like to shop, right? As long as the work gets done, we've been able to uh, allow some folks in AR and uh, AP to work two days from home. And if you're commuting 30, 40 minutes a day one way, that's a significant impact, especially for our younger employees that, that, uh, that can be really financially burdened by that. And they, they really appreciate it. We, we feel it's helping us retain some good quality employees. Anyone else have uh, remote employee well, answers? Working remote, I mean, we try to be flexible with the employees and, and depending on whatever the situation is. Like we have uh, one of our uh, controllers whose mother was uh, come down, diagnosed with cancer and she uh, uh, needed to be there and, and to take care of her uh, at, at house. And she lives down in Mexico. So she actually is working remotely down in Monterey, Mexico for us. And she uh, is able to do everything online. She's um, you wouldn't even know that she's not in the office. Now she still does come up and, and uh, does her job. Uh, we She's kind of transitioned into working a couple of days uh, throughout the week, but uh, primarily most of the summer, she was working remotely out of Monterey, Mexico. So it really, you know, it's kind of you know, international how you can get this thing done. You never would have thought that, but uh, we, were, we're, uh, we were able to figure out a way to get that done. And, and, and on other employees, when the situation arises, whether even if it's a, salesman we have kind of a, a, a phone system that's uh, it's over the internet so 
were able to, you know, even have a salesman get his his workstation, get forwarded to his uh, cell phone, and he sh could be able to work at home, and it just rings on his cell phone whenever they call his number, and so you know, technically he could. We really haven't really ex uh, done that yet, but the capabilities are there. Has storage been an issue for anyone given this current state of placing orders and receiving product well af after it's expected? You just have extra stuff and, and not enough space for it. Matt, Matt would like to know if, if storage has been an issue for anyone. I, I don't know. I'm, no, not really. I mean, we have more of a shortage than an overage, so <laughs> storage, storage hasn't been an issue. Okay. Everyone has the same answer, it appears. Okay, well, easy, easy peasy. Um, how are you determining what new markets to expand into? I know, Francis, you said that you apparently are, are growing all these locations. Volume of business they do, but we also look at our current locations. Our, thank you for holding the mic. No problem. Gotcha. I just, I just talk loud. I tend to talk loud. Um, we look at our uh, possible acquisitions for places to move into, but we also look at our current business and where we're delivering to. We have a lot of crossover from our locations. Anyone else approaching things differently? Mostly we just don't want to compete against Matt and Tejas, so we just figure out where they are. And then... <laughs> okay, that seems like a wise decision. It's tough with the acquisition thing. We had we had plans to, to do some acquisitions, and somebody had a question about the cost of capital up there, and, and we're in a capital uh, intense business. So the, cost, the weighted cost of capital is real for all of us, whether we're buying fleet or we're looking to throw some goodwill at an acquisition. So if you're looking to sell, it's probably a great time. We've been involved in a couple recently where it just got cartoonish and, you know, the payback was just unrealistic. And I think the cost of capital uh, plays in there uh, for whoever asked that question, not only in what we're buying, but what risks we're willing to take. Well, this, this Wayne Harris guy, he has a lot of questions. I wish I, wish I would have talked to him before uh, running this thing. Uh, what incentives do you give non-sales employees like drivers or counter people or mechanics, et cetera? We try to give an allowance for tools and things, and we haven't expanded it to drivers, but we thought about it. But we, for the first year, we changed. We have a, we're an employee stock on company, so you get, you get some, uh, you get paid on that. Uh, they're not shares, but you know, you get, you get an allocation. But what we did is we put part of it this year into profit sharing. Uh, because when you talk to retirement, you talk retirement with 23 year olds, they just roll their eyes at you. Kind of like my kids do when, when I talk about don't do what I did, try to do it better. And they just roll their eyes at me. So we thought that cash in the pocket might make uh, a little bit more of an impact with folks that are earlier in their career. So we have the 401k and such, but the, but the profit sharing really, I think not only is it money you can spend right now, but it, it makes them feel like they're part of that excellence, that quality that everybody up on this, on this stage has said is the key to doing this business right and driving customer loyalty and return business and good rates and everything that goes right in this business, it starts with quality. And we believe that, that paying our employees the same percentage, they get the same percentage, the yard person gets the same percentage I do. My salary is a little higher, I gotta admit it, but uh, same percentage and I really feel that, that, uh, that they feel part of the team, they feel like, they're involved and they take it seriously and we try to make it personal. Okay. We do the same things. We pay them well. We give gift cards randomly for, for another employee talking about something that they did well. We have employee of the month. We have pizza parties for them, all sorts of stuff to keep them motivated and feel like they're appreciated. 
How does a pizza party work for the remote employees? I'm just curious. We so back to the remote. We only have three that are remote. We we get left out. We actually video oh, call in sometimes and participate in the break, the uh, birthday lunches and stuff like that. I'm I'm okay. I'd rather work remote than have a piece of pizza. Okay. But we actually have. That means the pizza's I mean, not let's good get enough. Real. It depends on the pizza. Yeah. We actually have 60 employees in our company who are set up to work remotely. So when I talked about uh, remote employees, we have three that work solely remote, but we have 60 employees who have the ability to work remotely. That would be sales, AR, AP, all of our corporate people can work remotely. So we have embraced it. We know that it's valuable to the employees and it's, I can speak from experience, it's the only way to go. <laughs> it's just my opinion. Okay. We do a lot of all of those things too. Um, another thing that gets done is um, on the month of your birthday, you get a gift from the corporate office that also has a card that's signed by um, our corporate team. We also get anniversary gifts. Um, and depending on how long you've been there, depends on what that anniversary gift looks like. Um, every one of our stores now has a Traeger, which um, they've either won because of a safety week or done something that they end up with a Traeger. So a lot of the time uh, meat gets bought and taken to the store so that they can cook. Um, we do uh, lunch pairs. Um, where we get together and then it gets drawn out of a hat who wins the lunch pair for the month and you get a gift card. We do lots of gift cards, um, all of those things. Well, we do it a lot like what Francis was explaining, try to, we do every Friday, we kind of have a meal day and try to promote kind of a family environment for the uh, employees there in the shop and the offices. Um, a thing that we started, you know, breaking out each each area like for drivers, you know, all the vehicles now have GPS and trackers on them, and they also are able to index that to a driver efficiency score from like a zero to 100. So on a standard scale, so you know, you, we're just now rolling this out. So we're ironing out the bugs and trying to learn it and everything. But our idea is to incentivize safe driving and and getting in a certain range. And we're working on uh, you know providing some kind of um, bonus or something for safe driving and keeping these scores high because uh, th this GPS it has the camera on them it has a camera outward and around the vehicle and it, and it monitors their hard braking speeding uh, hard turns and so it's, and it gives them a, an index score on that um, for the inside salesman like I said earlier we have them on a commission-based system uh, per transaction um, the uh, office staff we had them kind of on a quarterly rolling base uh, bonus program, it, depending on success of the branches and which ones they're assigned to to oversee and the success of those branches. The mechanics and shop personnel, that goes along with what we're wanting to do is with, and we still haven't ironed out the metric of how we're gonna do that, but I'd like to get something to incentivize them, whether it be on the um, IROs completed or IMOs completed or, you know, maybe on the OEC uh, that they run through their shop or are they complete out of their bay uh, each day or week and incentivize that. It's just, I haven't come up, I guess, with the metric for that yet, but it's just it, the, the idea is there, but I guess the tools to, for that to come in through through a POR and, and the use like the time management and how that can go in there. And it's just, it's just not there yet to come into focus so I can get a dashboard to see what those technicians are doing 
uh, out of their shop, out of their bay, but I'd like to see that and then incentivize that. And then our, we have a Portage on division also where they're, where once we run that through mobile workforce and we want them to uh, complete the services on their routes and stuff, that we incentivize that on a commission, like whatever it is, like say a dollar per unit serviced or something. And, and it, but it's got to be run through mobile workforce, which is time stamped and they got to put in all the specifics and they're getting a commission and it attaches to the invoice, all the data of, of when they were there and so on. So, you know, it's getting done and completed. And so it would incentivize them to do that and we're getting the correct data. So if there's any issues, it's all right there and the GPS and monitored. So, you know, that's all the different areas we're trying to hit. You know, so everybody has a little bit of skin in the game. All right. I like it. Using lots of tools to, uh, be very specific in your, and, and intentional in your rewards. Okay, uh, you mentioned that you know a lot of stuff is is gone on ranch routinely. Um, so, what are your parameters for the stuff that isn't? Uh, some of your low renting items. What what plays a role in the decision for you to get rid of some? There's a lot of the stuff we're getting selling or moving out. We're it's because we got new ones in, and like I said earlier, we, we have to we're extending the life on a lot of things. Things that are, are slow moving, I, I, you know, I guess we just sell them off or whatever. And like we shut down our party division after COVID, never really opened it back up. We had a pretty sizable party store, and um, we just decided not to bring it back after COVID. So we did not really liquidate it, and we thought about calling an auctioneer and selling it all off, you know, uh, through that. But and we were just so busy with the equipment side, and, and we just kind of just left it in the warehouse and just kind of pushed it aside. And then um, we started contacting some other local rentals, party rental stores and trying to piecemealing it off. And, and we were able to get just great returns on it because nobody can get anything. So they were thankful to get whatever we had to sell off. So we've just been piecemealing it off uh, over the last year, year and a half and just selling it off. And we got great returns on it because uh, nobody can get anything. Uh, everything's back ordered and, and uh, freight costs and, the, and inflation of the prices were almost about able to get what we originally spent on it, you know, four or five years ago. So it was great. So um, that's how we're moving our stuff. Yeah, awesome. through Facebook, I guess we posted a lot of stuff in that Facebook shopping, I don't know what it's called, but uh, Facebook market. Okay, yeah, we would post things in there and, and uh, move a lot of that, that party stuff through there. That, that, I guess that Facebook market's been pretty good for moving those kind of things. Okay. And, and what, um, what metrics are you using to decide when you want to get rid of stuff? Obviously, you're, if you close down the event place, then you're not really going to have much of a use for it. But well, a lot of it's age, and then the, you know a feel for the equipment. It's like, hey, man, you better you better move this loader or whatever. Things about to explode. We better get it out of here. Uh, you know, so it's really a lot of that. Or you know, we got our set new ones are coming in, and so you know, we got you know we've got what six or eight new loaders coming in. Okay, well let's pick out the oldest ones and let's roll those out or pick out four. So we're just, you know, playing it as it comes, you know, situations come. There's really right now, there's really, other than it's, hey, this things are gotta go. I know we got a bunch of telehandlers that had a lot of axle issues and say, okay, this year range here, we gotta get these all out of here because these things, every time we repair it, you know, a year from now, we're gonna need to put a new axle on this thing again. Well, every time we repair it, it's gonna be $20,000. So this thing is just spinning its wheels. So these, this age range of equipment's got to go. So, you know, it, okay. it just depends on which, which, what we're talking about, what we're looking at. Okay. I think what we took the approach of um, looking at all of our fleet and putting a, um, we did a survey of asking our um, 
managers of what they thought we should um, sell off assets. And so we kind of came up with like a year range on some things. Um, some of it's based on hours. Some of it's just based on experience. Um, and so then we kind of put that together with our fleet and talk about it every year. And then sometimes we'd say, well, next year we're going to get rid of this one. But then a year goes by, we're like, oh, well, that one did, didn't do as bad. So let's keep it another year. Um, so we just kind of have that ongoing plan. For slow moving things, I think it's just you look at it, see how old it is, see how much you've made revenue on it. Do you still have a market for it? And then if you don't, then I don't know, there's lots of avenues. Like you said, marketplace, there's auctions, there's all different avenues to do that. Being in the event world, we look at the inventory and we try to we're trying to keep it fresh and if, unless it's classic. Um, but we just try to think of it in a different perspective. So maybe take that one item and pair it with something else and you, you have a different look. We don't really get rid of inventory unless it's an age thing. We have multi-location, so we'll transfer it to another location that could potentially rent it out. We, we do strive to have inventory that is new and fresh and enticing. So we just move it around and we, we really don't sell it until it's old. And then, and then there's not much more to do with it. That's, that's when we get to the point that we're selling it. And we'll either asset sell it to a customer. Uh, we have a lot of caterers and event planners and things like that, and sometimes they'll buy it. But a lot of times we'll just transfer it to a, new lo to a different location so that they can use it in a different way than the previous location used. You got a, you got a new answer? Something different than, than everyone else? Well. Did we actually answer it? Because if, like, if, it's, if it's not performing, we're looking at financial utilization. So something can get 30 time yield, but if it gets 45, $50 financial yield, I'm in, right? Don't really care. So uh, that would be my answer in terms of, hey, if I can't win in another market and I'm not winning there and the financial yield, the return on the dollars invested isn't there, then I'm gonna make an exit decision. But we do the same thing. We create rental useful life calculations for every category class, key header, and a okay. point of rental. Uh, and then we, we want to avoid the major repairs. I don't want to do undercarriage on a D5. I don't want to do boom replacements if I don't have to. I don't want to do uh, cables if I don't have to. So we'd rather sell just before we get that big maintenance bump. Because if I'm going to rebuild the boom of a, of a reach fork, I'm going to keep it for another two or three years. And we notate that in the system so we know this one's had a had a boom rebuild or this one's had a fresh undercarriage or this one had you know the differential or the Carrera axles replaced. That's, I think that's what Matt's talking about. So we try to pay attention to that. And and if we're going to put the the worst thing we can do, and you've all done it because I've done it, is you put the you rebuild it, you don't market in the system, and then somebody sells it for the normal price. Anybody ever done that? Because I have. It's really embarrassing. But we try to avoid that too. That, that sounds like a good thing to avoid. All right, Rob has a question. Uh, has your company adopted a set of core values or a core purpose? And if so, how are they used on a day-to-day -day basis? We, we actually, I just got showed our first version of this uh, this morning before I came over here. So we're trying to, we talk about, you know, whatever we do, we do well. And, and you know, communicating and being present and owning our moment of truth with the customers and driving with quality. We feel those are the only ways we can win. We can't beat United Rentals. Uh, I used to work there. We're not going to go outspend them. You know, that's not going to happen. But we can beat them by being the best rental company in the world. So we're trying to figure out what, what those real words are that can translate to every single position 
uh, in our company regardless. Boil that down to a few simple things, like it's quality, communicate, own your moment. Whatever we do, we do well. You know, uh, and that helps us focus on the things that are going to drive us there. And, and we're actually in the process of building that mission statement and the core values that are that are part of it as we speak. We're doing the same. We're we're building that out, and um, we often have offsites with the management team so that they can take those values back to the stores and and make everyone feel like they belong and they're part of it. So it's it's. I don't know that it ever goes away, but it's definitely something that we have been working on and will continue to work on. Okay, now that you both have said that you're, you're working on it, I feel like yeah. Rob's question is a plant, and, and this has been set up to, to have you guys talk about it. Michelle, do you, do you have uh, core values and, or a core purpose? We, we do have our core values that we came up with a couple years ago, and they're, um, we have them on posters around our locations. Um, they're also posted on our intranet so every employee can see them when they clock in every day. There's a lot of them that get said multiple times a day. Um, one of them is work hard, play hard, and the other one is don't be a robot. There's a bunch more, but those are the two that I that get used literally every day, and that's just employees talking about it. We have what are, uh, we call, I guess, the eight cylinders of customer service and is basically revolves around, you know, uh, who we are as a company and, and the, uh, the service that we expect and to provide and, and uh, the company we want to be. And, and how we drive that is, is you know, we incentivize our, our salespeople to, uh, you know, to uh, on each transaction with commission. And we hold them accountable to that of, of, you know, hey, if you break any of these cylinders of customer service on this and you get called out on it, you know, customer calls and, and you didn't, didn't put a PO, you didn't, you know, you got the wrong rate and you broke one of these cylinders of service, then, hey, you're going to lose that ticket. You, know, you need to really dot your I's and cross your T's on these things and, and, and uh, deliver the customer the kind of service that, that we would be proud of. So that's how we're encouraging it and holding it accountable to the salespeople. We are paying them a good commission for these transactions. We expect them to work off our eight cylinder customer service. And like you said, we, we have posters all over the, the store and, and um, we really, we go over that uh, at our weekly meetings. We'll pick one of them out every week and go through it. We'll discuss it. And uh, you know, we have one person that uh, reads it uh, off uh, at every meeting kind of as a personal dialogue of what it means to them and so on. And then there's maybe a little discussion of it at, and uh, then uh, we move on into the meeting and so on. But uh, you know, we keep it on the forefront. Uh, with everybody just by, you know, just keeping it in the in the spotlight. All right. I, I don't know how much uh, the economy will, will affect you, but this is your chance to answer anonymous. Uh, how do you think the impending recession is going to affect business and your plans moving forward? Well, yeah, um, it's hard to say, you know, it's it's uh, I, I it seems like we've been in a recession for uh, technically for a while and um, we're all still doing pretty good and, and popping along, even with the, the interest rates uh, on the increase. And uh, we're, you know, looking at our area and what's on the books to, uh, in construction-wise and uh, activity. It's, you know, it seems like we're we're still uh, going to be strong for this coming year. I know United Rental came out with their forecast and predicted a strong 23 as well, and so. Uh, for the foreseeable future, at least the next uh, 12 to 18 months, looks like we're going to be continuing on this path. And that's what we're planning on, and, and we're, um, we're buying and, and acting that it's going to be continuing on this path for the, you know, at least the next year or so. And 
And um, I think at some point, you know, they're going to have to open up the oil uh, exploration again. And, and uh, once that comes up right through this area here, through uh, Houston and, and uh, South Texas, that that'll come back online for us. And that'll be a whole, you know, another game changer for us when that comes back online, because it will and it's going to. So it's just a matter of time for, for that to come back on. Same for me. All right. I would say the only thing that, that we're focusing on in addition to everything that he just said is just being as efficient as we possibly can in our everyday operations. Those are great answers. There's one thing I would add. In every recession I've ever been through, the only thing I wish I could go back and do is buy more. All right. So I'm going to do that. Yeah. All right. Good, good plan. All right. We got, we got another one. Uh, oh, they're moving around on me. Uh, is your company using the reward program module in Point of Rental? If yes, how effective has it been to retain and encourage return customers? Think about, think about that. No? No? Yeah. All right. I guess that'll have to be another. That sounds another like group. an opportunity. Let's, let's, <laughs> let's get another question. That's a terrible one to end on. Is this, is this where you do your pitch? Uh, I'm not doing a pitch. I'm oh, just okay. here to talk to people. <laughs> oh, I see your best methods for training customer service employees. Okay. Uh, you got any good methods? I'm sure they, these guys do. Um, we, that's a big opportunity for us. We're a company that, that needs to really strengthen that. The best, most impactful one I've seen is when you have a piece of machinery that people don't know how to fix, they haven't been trained on, try to get a vendor to make a class out of it, buy the parts, bring the person in, have the expert, uh, bring in bring in techs from all over your company and have a class on fixing that unit that's stumping everybody in the organization that in my experience in my career that training has has probably stuck and been more imp impactful you know than the howdy doody launch where you look at the powerpoint and, and eat jimmy john sandwiches not a huge fan of that actually doing the work uh has been has been the most impactful okay we got like a minute left so if you have answers they got to be short what's that we have like a minute left. If you have answers, they got to be short now, Francis. Okay. We have we have just I recently. Oh no! Thanks for burning my time. Um, <laughs> and your time is up. <laughs> we have just recently, in the last few months, implemented a really focused training program in our company. We bring people in from every location and we train on everything and it is hands-on. They do a book portion, but they're also doing hands-on and they're walking through every step of every process and that includes customer service. Now you have like five seconds. All right, uh, I want to thank everyone who has appeared on the stage with me. John, uh, Francis, Michelle. All right. Thank you.